Wonderful. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Good to be with you. I'll start that again. <laughs> Good to be with you. That's better. That side's awake. Good to be with you over this side. Very good. It is great to be with you. If you live in Melbourne and it's winter, it's great to be anywhere. But particularly to be able to come up here to uh, Queensland, it's wonderful. We have family up here. Uh, my wife and I have been married for, I think it's 42 years. We have five children and now uh, 10 grandchildren. And uh, one of our daughters and her husband and two of the grandkiddies live up here in Brisbane now. They're on staff with uh, Pastor Wayne Alcorn in Hope Centre. And uh, so we try and come up to visit them. And uh, we have, often have the opportunity to be able to minister uh, in various churches when we're here. But this is the first time uh, here with you. And it's a, it's a great privilege to be here. It doesn't matter to me whether we are on this side of the planet or on the other side of the planet, whether there's thousands in the room or whether there's hundreds or ten in the room. Uh, wherever God is on the move, that's where I want to be. And uh, just to sense your heart for God in your worship, your heart for God in fellowship, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, I'm trusting that God will have a word for every single one of us this morning. Uh, so that no matter how you come into the building, you can go out with a fresh sense of faith, fresh sense of anticipation of the good things of God uh, that He wants to pour out in you and through you uh, every day of our lives. God is good. God is good. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you this morning that you are here in this room. I thank you, Father, that you know every detail of our lives. Lord, you know the great things that are going so well. You know the things that are causing pain or causing confusion. But God, you know us through and through. And your heart for every single one of us is that, God, we should walk in your favor, walk in your blessing, walk, Father, in a way that, God, when others look at us, they'll say, boy, I want what they've got. I want what they've got. So I pray, Father, according to your word this morning, that you will cause faith to rise in every one of our hearts through the power of your word, by the person of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Oh, wonderful. Normally I have to say, and everybody said, but you're just jumping in there. Amen. Fantastic. I just realized I should have come next week because then I would have got a free lunch. <laughs> And good coffee, apparently. I'm telling you. I tell you, a church that has got the revelation over good coffee, that's the church I want to be in. It co does coffee matter? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right, I want to speak to you this morning along the line of developing a confident expectation. A confident expectation of the goodness and the favor of God. And I believe that the ability to develop that expectation is one of the most important attitudes that you and I can possess in life. You know, without a confident expectation, we might as well pack up and go home. I don't know if you've been watching a lot of the sport, the Matildas playing soccer, but if you follow the tennis or any great sport, you know that if you can have all of the ability you can have all of the experience. You can have all of the potential, all of the, all of the 
necessary ingredients for success, but if you lack a confidence, and if you lack a confident expectation that you're going to do well, nothing really is going to happen. Lose that confidence and you've lost everything. And can I say, it's exactly the same in our lives of faith. It's exactly the same in our personal worlds. It's exactly the same in the life of a church. If we don't possess this thing called a confident expectation, we'll never step into everything that God has for us. Individually, in our homes, and in the life of the church, and the impact of the community. It's a powerful thing. You, you see this in the natural in so many different ways. Um, you know, as a, uh, as a pastor, uh, I've married many, many people, officiated at many, many weddings. But you know, the one thing that I noticed about a wedding, when it comes time to that point when you're saying you know, to the groom or to the bride, do you take this woman to be your bride? Do you take this man to be your you know, wedded husband? I have never, ever heard at that time of the meeting a, a male particularly say, oh, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I guess, I, I guess so. You know, she's the best I could find. Or, you know, <laughs> he's the best in the... In the he's, he, no, no, it, it's always, I do. There's a confident expectation on that wedding day that they're going to knit a life together and they're going to have an incredible adventure in life. There's an expectation. I've been at birth. We were there. I was there for all of my children being born. Before I was in the ministry, I was actually in nursing. And uh, I've seen a lot of babies come into this world. And I've always seen when a baby is born, there's a confident expectation. It's not like the baby comes out and it's oh, crikey. <laughs> wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter what the baby looks like. And come on, if you're honest, a lot of newborn babies look weird. Come on, they don't come out sort of looking cute and gorgeous. They come out mostly covered in muck and all distorted. And, and I tell you, anybody else except the mum and dad would look at a newborn baby and go, Whoa. <laughs> But a mum and dad, no, 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 they've got a confrontation. A mum and a dad, they would just be going, oh, oh, beautiful baby. And what are they, they bring a baby into the world because we've got a confident expectation. This child's going to be a champion. This child is beautiful, is handsome. We're going to raise this child and this child is going to have a significant life. A confident expectation is a powerful thing. Confident expectation in business. Confident expectation. I'm talking about children. Christmas morning. You want to know what confident expectation looks like? It's a five-year-old Christmas morning. Because they're getting up before they normally would ever get up. And they're going to beat mum and dad up. Or they're going to race down to that Christmas tree. And they're going to rip every present open. Why? Because they have a confident expectation. The mum and dad... Father Christmas, or however they're thinking, <laughs> there's something good for them at the tree. It's a powerful thing. Because when we talk about confident expectation in the gospel, we're not talking about what we can create in our own world. We're talking about a confident expectation of God's goodness, an outworking of His promise. And I want us to go to Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to look at just a very short passage of Scripture where I believe we can start to unpack a little bit of what does it take to develop an ongoing confident expectation that God is going to do good things. Now, before we jump into that Scripture, many of you would know the context here. The Israelites have been in the wilderness for 40 years. They've had a chance earlier on to go into the promised land, but they weren't able to step in at that time. 
And so they've had 40 years in the wilderness. Now God has brought them to the Jordan River again, getting ready to cross over into the promised land. But there's a problem. And the problem is that there is a river that's in flood. The problem is there's no natural way that they could possibly get across to what God has promised them. But Joshua has been in the presence of God. Can I tell you today, if you want to develop a confident expectation of the goodness of God, we've got to learn to get comfortable in the presence of God. It's not something we create. It's something that God actually places in our heart. The very origin of confidence, when we talk about it in our world of faith, the very origin of confidence is the presence of God and the promises of God. Joshua has an encounter with God. God downloads to him some of the instructions of how they're going to get across. If you know the story, he doesn't give them all the instructions. He just gives them some of the instructions of how God is going to part the waters and take them across. And now Joshua gathers the people and he prepares them for what God is going to do the day after. Joshua chapter 3 verse 2, it says this, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5, this is the one to underline. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will. Everybody say will. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, if you fully appreciate the context here, I'm, I'm amazed of this statement coming from Joshua's mouth. Because as I said before, in the natural, there's no reason for it. But when you hear those words coming out, there's not a sense of nervousness. There's not a sense of hesitation. There's not a sense of fear. It's a bold declaration that tomorrow is going to be a good day. That tomorrow, God will do something amazing. And it's brilliant because there's no reason for it. The river is in flood. There's no bridge. There's no boats. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. I doubt any of them know how to swim. If they can get across to the other side, they've got walled cities. They've got trained armies. Everything is looking bad. And yet Joshua gets up with this spirit of confidence a confident expectation that God is going to do what he said he would do. Now, we could just stop there and I could just say to anybody here facing challenges, anybody here that's got something out of control in your world, anything, anyone here who's looking at an impossible situation, the reality is our God is able. We've been singing about it through about just about every song. We've heard it prophetically this morning. God is able. He's bigger than any giant. He's bigger than any circumstance. Our God is good. And we can say, Amen. And we can know that in our theology. But the reality is, are we carrying the spirit that is in agreement with that? 
Or do we come and sing our songs in church and shout our hallelujah in church, but then go back to our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and suddenly look around and go, oh, I don't know how we're going to get through. The difference is a confident expectation, not just an atmosphere of worship on a Sunday morning, but a confident expectation every single day of the week. So how do we carry it? How do we develop it? And I think the first thing is this. We actually have to make a decision and decide that you can be confident. Here's the thing. Expectation and confidence are choices long before they are an emotion. One of the things about a life of faith is that we actually learn where our emotions really belong. And our emotions must never dictate our faith. The truth is, lots of people actually talk themselves out of the miraculous. If we're not careful, we come up with all kinds of excuses about why we won't see the promises of God, why we won't get the miracle that somebody else has got. Sometimes we use our personality or our temperament as an excuse. You ever said to yourself or have you ever heard other people saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not like that. I don't, I don't get excited about anything. You know, you look at pastors and you look at leaders or you look at people up on the platform and say, well, I'm not like them. You listen to, you know, great testimonies say, well, I'm not like them. I'm, I'm just a quiet person. Nothing good ever really happens to me. Sometimes our temperament can actually get in the way. I heard this great quote of a pessimist. Pessimist said to himself, self, I said, cheer up. Things could be worse. So I cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. <laughs> I love that. But here's the thing. Temperaments can be changed. Emotions can be changed. Pastor David Cartledge was a great apostolic figure uh, across the Assemblies of God in Australia. And uh, he said this. I love this. I used to be a natural pessimist, but now I am a trained optimist. Some of us use our backgrounds and our circumstances as, as, as excuses of why we can't expect to see the goodness of God. We say things like, well, you know, I come from a, a long line of strugglers. He said, you don't understand what my background has been like. I, I came from the wrong side of town. I come from a dysfunctional family. I, I've messed up in so many different ways. I, I didn't do well at school. And we look at our past and we think that our past is going to dictate our future. But the wonderful thing about the gospel is it doesn't matter what sort of start we got in life, our future, if we're walking with God, is only going to get better and better and better. So a bad start never has to dictate what our future looks like if we're walking with a confident expectation. Sometimes we use past disappointments as excuses why we won't see the blessing of God. I've heard people say, well, you know, I've been around for a long, long time. <laughs> and I've, I've, you know, I got prayed for and nothing happened. I came to the altar and the pastor anointed me with oil and he prayed for me, laid hands on me and spat and shouted and yelled and hollered. Nothing happened. I've seen revivals come. I've seen revivals go. I've heard preachers come. I've heard all of that. But, you know, nothing, nothing really happens for me. I think it's fascinating in this story that, you know, the Israelites and Joshua, he'd been there before. He'd been there before and they didn't get across. 
and they'd been there in the wilderness for 40 years, I think he had lots of reasons why he could have been going, I don't know, God. (laughs) I don't know. I know how this goes down. And these people haven't got a lot of faith. I don't know. No, no, we've got to understand it doesn't matter what our past has been like. We mustn't let disappointments or we mustn't let history rob us of if God has made a promise that we're going to move into blessing and favor and more and more of his goodness. It all starts with a mindset. It all starts with a way of thinking where we put our focus not on the things that are around about us, but again on the faithfulness of our God who has saved us and who has promised to be with us in every season of our lives. I love Ephesians 4.22. You would know this scripture so many. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude. Everyone say Attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans 12 verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, coming from Melbourne, we were the lockdown capital of the world during the pandemic. I mean... You people think you went through it. We went through it. And it had a terrible impact on so many different people, a terrible impact on the atmosphere of the city, a terrible impact on the attitude of people's minds. When we were allowed out of our house and we could go walking but not talking, when you saw people coming the other direction, you could see them of a couple of blocks away. There were two reactions. One was almost literally... They would cross the road before you came anywhere near them. Fear. Fear. The other reaction was like, (laughs) it's a person. Hello. Hello. (laughs) There was this thing where pandemic thinking invaded so many minds, invaded so many places. And it did get into some churches as well where we started thinking all kinds of stupid theories and crazy, crazy stuff. And what we've got to be able to do is is not get locked into pandemic thinking, not get locked into negative thinking, not get locked into worldly thinking, but make sure that our minds are renewed and we're thinking kingdom and we're thinking God and we're thinking goodness and we're thinking favour and we're thinking, no, whatever's going on, God is bigger and God is able to bring good things out of it. I think the pandemic was one of the greatest opportunities for the church to shine. One of the greatest opportunities for every believer to say, hey, I'm going through the same thing as well. But I've still got a hope. I've still got a joy. I've still got a promise that this season is going to end and we're going to come out of this and into the goodness of God in every area of our lives. When the night is dark, the stars shine the brightest. But we've got to have the attitude and understand that emotions come and go personalities, they don't rule. What rules is a mind that is fixed on the goodness of God. And I think it's interesting that I don't think, I don't think a courage, I don't think confident expectation is actually an option. I think it's a command. If you go back just a couple of chapters and you look at uh, Joshua when he was actually uh, released into leadership, you know 
God speaks to him and says, be confident. Be bold, be confident. Three times in one commissioning. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong and be very courageous because you will lead these people in. And he was not just giving a little encouragement and God doesn't give us a little encouragement. God says to us, no, 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 no. Be men and women of faith. Be a young person of faith. And part of faith is understanding, developing a confident expectation. God is the God who is able to do all that he says that he will do. Psalm 43 verse 5, I love this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so distressed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you know, some of us need to just get our soul in line. <laughs> some of us need to develop that, 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 that skill, that habit of no matter what our soul is speaking to us, we override it with the promises of God. I know some people, we've got a choice every morning how we wake up. Some people wake up and go, oh, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Other people wake up and go, good morning, Lord. Which one are you? Which one are you? Make a choice that you're going to carry a confident expectation. The second thing is understanding that it's actually not about you. And it's not about me, which is another way of saying this. Get a fresh revelation of the person and the character of God. I said right before that the origin of confidence is actually the presence of God. Because when we're in the presence of God and when we're saturated with the Word of God, the very character of God begins to consume our thinking. And when we're absolutely convinced that our God is a good God, our God is a powerful God, our God is a God that wants to bless, that does keep his promises, that changes everything. It's a revelation that we've got to carry, that it's not about our abilities, it's not about our limitations, it's about what God declares over our lives. I said before, you know, sometimes people blame our backgrounds and we blame you know, all, of, all we look at all of who we are, but the reality is take our eyes off who we are and start believing who God is. I should not be on this platform. I should never have been able to lead the churches that I've led. I should never be able to do all of the things that I'm doing because I would be classified as one of God's least likely. Before I came to Christ, I was, I was such a messed up young individual. I was dominated by drugs, dominated by alcohol, dominated by immorality, dominated by all kinds of false religion and occult practices. If you had seen me before I gave my life to Christ, I actually traveled through Queensland. And if you were around at the time and saw me by the side of the road, I guarantee you would have sped up. <laughs> and if you were walking and saw me, you would have crossed the other road. And if you had children, you would have said, come away from him, come away from him. I was walking around with a backpack. I had a little goatee beard down here, long hair. I used to wear banana boots. I had a backpack on my back with a sleeping bag strapped on and a tomahawk strapped onto the sleeping bag. I had a billy um, swaying on one side, kerosene lamp. And I was just, I can't say what I was, I was just casually hitchhiking my way around Australia. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I had ruined every good thing that started in my life. I was not the one that you would choose to say, yep, he's going to give his life to Christ and he's going to, he's going to see amazing things. No, 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 you'd say that guy's probably going to be dead from a drug overdose or found dead in a gutter somewhere. But how many people know it's not about us? 
It's not about our ability. It's not about what we can or can't do. It's all about when God gets a hold of us and we start to walk in agreement with what his promises are over our lives, nothing is impossible. We've just got to understand it's all about God and it's not about us except simple obedience. If you know the story, all Joshua was told was just get the uh, priest to step into the water. <laughs> that was the master plan. <laughs> How are we going to get in the, across the flooded river? Just get them to stand in the water. And if you know the story, that's all they did. So it wasn't like God gave them the master plan. It was just very, very simply, no, no, just take one step at a time. And if we're just willing to take one step at a time, God says, good, I saw that. You trust me. And every time we trust him, God goes, yep, okay, I'll do something else for you now. Yep. Because when they stepped into the water, that was when the water stopped flowing. But it was interesting, it didn't stop flowing right there and then. It stopped flowing way up there, a long way away. And so it took trust for them to keep on stepping and keep on standing. Can I encourage you today? You don't have to know how God is going to fulfill his promise. If you're a control freak like me, <laughs> I want to know how it's all going to work out. But the reality is God is very, very short, very short on detail. But he majors on obedience. And so we've got to understand, you, you, we, you won't know how it's going to work out. And just take the simple, simple steps of trust and then stand back and watch what God will do. And the beautiful thing is that God is the kind of God who will never, ever abandon us. He will never leaves a job undone. Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, when you get a revelation of who God is and get a revelation of the fact that he never gives up on you, that gives you confidence. Have you ever bought a, um, a furniture pack from Ikea? I don't know how they're still in business. <laughs> I'm pretty good with building things, but I'm telling you, I've been where most of us have been when you're building something, and I'm a male, and so I have an exaggerated sense of what I can and can't do, and so when I get an Ikea thing, I don't really bother with the instructions too much, and so I'll get the thing three quarters of the way through, and then suddenly I'm out of bits, or I've got bits left over, or it's just not looking the way. And I don't know about you, but I've been in that place, and you get so frustrated. You just, I, 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 I'm working on issues in my life. One of those is patience, and I'm not very patient. And so when I'm doing that sort of thing, I, I, I just want to, I just want to walk out of the room screaming, and then just throw the whole thing out. Like this stupid, rotten Ikea thing. If you've ever felt like that, here's the thing. God has never felt like that when he looks at you. He's never reached a point where he goes, what am I going to do with this woman? What am I going to do with this man? He's messed up again. I'm just going to wait till he gets his act together. God has never felt like that. Never. God keeps working with us, keeps working on us. Early this morning, I was reading the story of um, Jonah. 
I mean, Jonah deliberately disobeys. Has a clear word from God but says, nope. (laughs) And then he has a crazy thought if he gets on a boat, he'll be able to escape God. (laughs) He's obviously challenged man. (laughs) He's under pressure. But what does God do? He gets himself thrown into the sea thinking, well, at least that way it's all over and done with. But God says, no way, I'm not giving up on you. Wow. A rebellious man on the run from God, but God says, I'm not giving up on you. So much so to the extent he sends us fish to rescue him and then spit him out on dry land. And you think God's given up on you? Just because of the little mess up you got into? Just because of what happened to you? You think God's going to give up on you? God will never give up on you. He loves us too much. And you say, but you don't know what I've done. No, and you don't know what I've done. (laughs) But God does, and he still loves us. And when you get a revelation of that, I'm telling you, it's not about us, whether we've earned it, whether we deserve it, whether we can make it happen. No, no, no. It's all about the love of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God that he just wants to pour out on you. I told you before, five children we've raised. Five children. I taught every single one of them how to ride a push bike. Every single one of them fell off. Over and over again. Not one of them got it right first time. Not one. What did I do? What did you do when you taught your children how to ride a bike? You knew they were going to fall off. You knew they were going to cry. You knew they were going to skin their knees. You knew all of that stuff. But you still said, no, 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 it's worth learning how to ride the bike. And when they fell off, you didn't run up to them and go, you stupid boy. No, you ran up to them, you picked them up, you wrapped your arms around them, you said, it's okay, you're going to be all right. You might have rubbed off a bit of blood, they might have rubbed off a bit of skin, but you said, you're going to be all right, now come on, let's get back up, up and up and go. tell you, if we do that as failed human beings, come on, you think God's given up on you? Oh no, he hasn't given up on you. But you've got to have a confident expectation. You've got to be able to get back up on the bike And trust him again, and trust him again, and trust him again. Need to wrap it up. Here's another thing. If you're going to develop a confident expectation, watch the words that come out of your mouth. (laughs) If you've been around in church for a while, if you've been reading your Bible for a while, you know Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12 verse 14, from the fruit of their lips people are filled with good things and the work of their hands bring them reward. Again, we can come to church and we can sing the songs. We can come into church, how are you brother? Oh, glory to God. God's good, hallelujah. We can sing all of the songs but then what's coming out of our mouth when we hit home? Sometimes what's even coming out of our mouth as we drive away from church. Sometimes we're negating the promises of God. Sometimes we're disqualifying the faith that's come out of the platform even as we're on the way home. And we're dissecting the word, but we think, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Bit extreme, I don't know. (laughs) And if we're not careful, the words that come out of our mouths, can I tell you this? God is listening. Not in a spooky way. 
But he leans into every conversation. And whether it's a private conversation with our wife or with our friends or family, or whether it's just the mind conversations that go on in our head, God is listening. But he's not listening in order to stomp on us. He's listening to be able to catch words of faith. Do you know, there would have been thousands and thousands of those Israelites listening to Joshua get up there with that confident expectation. Thousands of them would have heard the declaration, God will do amazing things tomorrow. But I tell you, do you know who heard it the loudest? Heaven. <laughs> Heaven. He didn't get up there saying, look, um, I, th- I think, um, look, I might be wrong. Uh, but uh, while I was praying uh, yesterday, um, I just wrote down in my journal, um, uh, I, I think, uh, I, 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 think well, I think God said we're going to go across. Um, I, I might be wrong, uh, but let's give it a go. <laughs> no. A confident declaration that I believe heaven leaned into. And I believe that when he spoke those words, there would have been angels listening over the balustrade of heaven saying, I heard that. I reckon God, Jesus himself, Holy Spirit, leaning over going, I heard that, he's ready. I heard that, he's speaking faith. I heard that, he's believing. And because he's believing, we can start to move on their behalf. Heaven listens to the declarations that come out of our mouth. So I need to ask you this morning, what's coming out of your mouth? Is it consistent faith? Is it a confident? And I don't mean a blase, just blab it and grab it. No, I'm talking about a a mature, confident expectation that rather than going down the road of depression, going down the road of doubt, going down the road of everything that the world might be saying or doing, there's something, there are words of life, there are words of confession, there are words of faith that are coming out of our mouth that not only do our spirit good, but actually are caught by heaven and start to release what God has already promised into our lives. Can I invite the uh, keyboarder to come up? And then there'll be some heavenly music going on and... That will really give you confidence and I'm going to wrap up. But I've got to tell you, that's a false confidence. <laughs> what happens in the mind of a preacher when the heavenly music starts, we think, oh, that's lovely. And then we start to relax. <laughs> You're thinking we're winding up and we're just relaxing. Thinking, oh, this is lovely. <laughs> the words that we speak make a huge, huge difference. You know, this morning as I was praying, I felt God say, tell them this morning it's time to believe again. It's time to believe again. Because what can happen to us over the passage of time is that maybe it is our personality, maybe it is our background, maybe it is past disappointments, but What can happen over the passage of time is that we can have a promise from God, a revelation from God, a a hope, a dream from God. But in the passage of time, maybe you feel like, wow, I feel like that 40 years in the wilderness. Maybe you feel like I've just been going around and around. And maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a medical situation when it's just not going away. And you've been prayed for and you've claimed healing and you've been anointed, but still the symptoms are there. And I say to you this morning, it's time to believe again. It's time to say, no, 
I am not going to let go of the promises of God. I'm not going to let go of what God has promised me. I'm not going to let go of what God has written in His Word. Maybe it's the process of time as parents here this morning and you've raised children in the ways of the Lord and you've stood on that Scripture. You've stood on it for years now. But still they are not walking with God. And you've believed and you've believed but right now, when you think about your daughters or your sons, they're so far away, maybe, maybe that faith has really started to diminish. and Maybe you're just thinking, well, I've just got to leave them to God. But can I tell you, there's a big difference between just saying, I've got to leave them to God, but having a confident expectation. No, 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 God, I'm not letting them go. I will see them in the house of the Lord. I will see them restored back into relationship with you. It's time to believe again for sons and daughters that should be in the house. Never give up. Never give up. I was raised in a Christian home. I went so far from God. And the only reason I got born again, the only reason I'm standing here today is because I had a mum and a dad who never gave up, who never stopped praying who never let go of an expectation God can reach him. Nobody else could reach me. I was a mess and I never got saved in church. I never got led to the Lord by another brother or another sister. I was lost in the desert somewhere in the Northern Territory and I realized I could die in this place and I had a revelation. I'm not ready to meet God. And everything I'd heard as a little boy as a little boy sitting in a Baptist church came come flooding back and I realized I don't want to meet God if I don't know Jesus. Stood there in the desert. Stood in the desert. No band, no magical heavenly keyboards. <laughs> no preacher, no atmosphere, nothing. Just a desperation and a memory and a revelation. Jesus, if you're real, would you come into my life? born again. Why? Because mum and dad never gave up. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's business, I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's time to believe again. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place right now. Father, I thank you that God, as I've been speaking, you've been whispering. God, and I thank you that your whisper is so much more powerful than any human voice. And I thank you that right now, God, you, you speak to hearts. Right now, Father, you're, you're challenging our thinking, but Lord, you're stirring our faith. And I thank you that, God, our emotions can always be put in place. I thank you this morning that, Father, by your word and through your spirit, we're able to speak to our soul. We're able to say, soul, put your trust in God. Put your hope in God, because with God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing is impossible. So, Father, I thank you this morning that, God, whatever situation we may be facing, God, you have the answer for it. But, God, I thank you that, God, in this place this morning where faith has diminished, God, your word is again to believe again, to believe again. Father, as we believe 
God, we know that you will release the power of your Holy Spirit into every situation, into every promise. Your word never dies. Father, thank you that it is that imperishable seed. It will always achieve the purpose for which you send it. God, we pray this morning that you help us to stand, to stand on that promise in Jesus' name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you're, if you're here this morning, I've just got that real burden for, for parents where you've got children that are away from the Lord. And uh, if, if that's you and you're here with your spouse, um, can I just ask you, would you just take, take one another by the hand? And I'd love us just to pray as a church family for mums and dads that are still believing for sons and daughters to come back into the house. It may not be this house, but to come back to faith this morning. So if you've got your husband or your wife's hand, you're holding hands together just as a sign of unity. Father, I thank you this morning that, God, you are able. I thank you this morning, Father, for every godly man, for every godly woman with their hands raised this morning, with their hands uh, held this morning. That, God, in this moment of faith, I thank you that you will quicken faith. That, God, you will quicken faith. And that, God, together with them this morning, we stand on the promise of your word. We stand on the revelation, God. The Father, as they have been planted, God, as your word has been entrusted, as they have been raised in the ways of God, Father, they will not depart. So, God, we speak restoration. We speak the power of your word into their lives. We speak, Father, no matter where they are, the sons and the daughters that are not in the house, no matter where they are, they are not out of reach of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we pray that, God, you will stir the truth, the seeds of your word back into life in their hearts. And, Father, you will send angels around about them. You'll send believers around about them, Father, and that we will have a day when they are able to say they've been restored to you. If you can do it for me, Lord, we believe you that you can do it for these as well. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Business people this morning. Business people. Business is not where it needs to be. Maybe it's been going backwards. Maybe you're still trying to climb out of covid it's time to believe again. The Bible says this, that if we honor him, he honors us. The Bible says that if we give him the first fruits, he will open up the windows of heaven. I believe in prosperity, not for our sake. I believe in prosperity that you can be blessed to be a blessing. I believe in prosperity so that when the world looks at you and you can say the only reason you've seen all that you've seen is because of the favor of God, that's prosperity. So if you're a business person here, and I see someone, it's a, um, it's a car business, something to do with cars. The word of the Lord to you is to continue. Continue. Don't look to the strategies of man. Don't listen to necessarily even the counsel of man. But that seed that God has put in your heart, that idea that God has put in your heart, you've either started it already and the word of the Lord is to continue. But if you've held back, God is saying, until you step out in faith, you will not be able to release the provision that he wants to through your business. That's you this morning. Take a hold of the word. But for every business person that you're believing for greater favor, and you're not seeing it yet, but you're saying, God, I want that. I want that. Would you just slip up your hand because I want to pray for you again across this place? 
Father, I thank you that, God, you know every circumstance. You know the situations of businesses. And I pray, Father, that, God, from this moment forth, a confident expectation begin to arise. And that, God, as they go back into that business, as they go back, look at the books, as they go back, and they begin, Father, to continue in the word that you've given to them, standing on the word that you will indeed open up the windows of heaven. God, cause them to prosper, not for their own sake, Lord, but, Father, for your glory, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for it, Father. I want to pray for you, Pastor Ben. You know, it's, it's interesting in the, in, the, in the cycles of churches. When you've been around a while, and I can say that now, it's one of the advantages of getting old. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> but one of the advantages of having a few years behind you is that you see seasons. You see seasons. And you know, it's interesting, even in the life of churches, even in the life of ministries and families, sometimes we can, you know, seasons, seasons can affect us if we forget that seasons are just seasons. And the whole thing about seasons is that they only last for a set time. Every season comes to an end, but every season is just to prepare you for the next season. And so, Pastor Ben, I felt God speak to me very, very clearly about this season is a season where God wants to again, again, cause greater influence and cause greater increase for the church. Not for the church's sake, but for the sake of the community. And that whatever has gone on in the past, and I don't know the history of your church. You, you shared a little bit, but I don't know all the ins out. I don't know where you, know, you are right now. But I know this, that God is saying, the season that you are in now, God wants to release something brand new. Where there have been dreams of the past that have maybe looked at and think, well, I, I, I know they believe that for the past, but we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that. It'd be like the Israelites saying, yeah, 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 I heard about they wanted to go across, but they never got there. They never got there. They never got there. I feel the Holy Spirit wanting to encourage your heart to say, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. The church is going to get there. This building will be too small. Everything that God has given the church is for a purpose. And it's not that you can say he gave it to us once. It's so that, no, no, it can be you in the season that comes ahead. So God wants you in that place of confident expectation that everywhere where you look at the moment where you say, oh God, don't let it be a cry of, oh God, but let it be a cry of expectation that says, oh God, thank you because you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And then watch, wait and see what God will do. Would you stretch out your hands to Pastor Ben? I want to pray for him this morning. Father, lay my hands upon Ben and I thank you for the faith that is within him. I thank you, Father, for the path that you have brought him along. I thank you, Father, that God, as he stands here this morning, God, you have not caused him to stand alone, but God, you've gathered people around about. Lord, you've planted him in a place of rich heritage. You've planted him in a place where the soil is rich and it's fertile, Lord. And I thank you, God, that everything he needs is already wrapped up in your your presence. Everything that he needs is already wrapped up in your word and your revelation to his heart. So God, I lay my hands upon him. Father, I thank you for the season that lies ahead. And I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for faith, God, to lead and courage to believe for the greatest days that lie ahead. For him, for his family, for this church, in Jesus' name. And everybody said this morning,
Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, would you reach out your hands all across this place? Let me pray for you as a congregation. How many people believe in the blessing of the house? I believe in living under the blessing of the house. So no matter what your circumstance, let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray wherever there is lack, that God, you will pour out your provision. I pray, Father, wherever there may be sickness, that God, you would bring health, strength, and vitality. And I pray, Father, wherever there may be pain or confusion, that, God, you would bring peace, joy, and a confident expectation. And I pray, God, that as we walk out of this place this morning, God, we will walk out with a conviction to live for your glory and to tell others of the wonder of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. Be wonderful to be with you this morning. I'm going to hand back to Adrian.